Hello, and welcome to Jam Presents, a podcast series by me, Mike Groves, and a good mate of mine, Jason Cripps. In this second series of Jam Presents, we play The Murder Game, a 2003 murder mystery reality TV show from the BBC. This accompanying podcast will break down each episode of The Murder Game as Jason and I follow the journey of 10 investigators as they try to catch a killer in the fictional town of Blackwater. Each episode of The Murder Game is available on YouTube, so if you haven't already, go and watch episode 8 now. In this penultimate episode, we investigate a fire at Creeksea and get locked in a surveillance van. Murder Game episode 8. At the start of the episode, we are told there are four investigators remaining, as Richard returned last week following Rory's departure. The remaining investigators are therefore Nick, Mel, Andrew and Richard. There are only four suspects remaining after George Howitt was eliminated as a suspect as his mate Rod had borrowed his boat at the time of Catherine's murder. The remaining suspects are Goldie, Jay, Jennifer and Trevor. We are reminded of a number of things surrounding the case, including the dead baby found at Creeksea and Goldie being taken hostage in return for the necklace that was being held by the investigators. It's taken him eight episodes, but it finally dawns on Richard that if he was nicer to people, he might not get voted out so much. <laughs> and all right, you know, he's been voted out once, but he said, oh, maybe if I'd have been uh, a bit nicer to people, then I wouldn't have faced the elimination. I'd probably try and be a little bit nicer to the other people um, on the basis that if you stuck up to people a little bit more, they're less likely to vote for you to play the killer's game. Yeah, no shit. We've been saying this all the way along. It's not just about being the brightest spark there, mate. It's also about getting on with people so they don't vote you. So for someone who is quite meticulous and intelligent, he doesn't have that social awareness. And we've mentioned that before. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Is that it's only just dawned on him. He's probably analysed, why did I get voted? You should have seen that coming a mile off, mate, because I think if people had reason to vote you previously, they would have. Mel is desperate to get rid of Richard. And Nick says that he expects Richard to be one of those who is playing the killer's game again at the end of this episode. This ties in nicely to Chief Bob coming in and telling them at the morning briefing that Rory chose Andrew to be the next lead investigator. This is great news. Rory says in his last will and testament that he wants Andrew to win it as well. He thinks he hasn't enough confidence in himself to do it, but I think he's a good man for the job and I hope he goes on to win the competition. We think now that he's in a good position as he's made the final with immunity in this episode, you presume, you know, he, he's going through because he's the lead investigator. But we later find out that this isn't the case and he'll be out in the field, which means he can still fail his lines of inquiry. Yeah. That's harsh. So the one time that Andrew gets to lead and he can still face elimination. What's that all about? Nick is pleased for Andrew getting appointed by Rory. Nick's quite, yeah, Nick's quite sensible about things. He's like, yeah, I think he deserves a shot. And I think everybody deserves a go. <laughs> yeah, for at least one time, yeah. Exactly. And if he fails and cocks it all up, then fair enough. You're not failing at this point, are you? He's not a leader and it never will be. And but there again, he never pretends to be. Richard is fuming. He suggests that Andrew won't even be able to lead the evening briefing that night. Yeah, but then he also states that there'll be other people to help him through the even in briefing. Those of us that are remaining will, will help him through. Chief Bob reminds us of the suspects and suggests that they all have motive. And before we watch the rest of this episode, I'm sat there staring blankly at the screen thinking, do they all have motive? I- yeah, this is exactly what I thought. I was trying to think, what are the motives? And I made a few notes and I'll go through them now. So these are a few words that I typed up before we watch this episode. But Goldie, she's unhappy because Jay has had Catherine over on his boat, although she didn't necessarily know that until investigators told her. Jay, I've honestly no idea what his motives are unless they're linked to the dead baby. Jennifer, same as Jay, maybe there's family links or maybe she really just didn't like Catherine's choice of music at the church and thought she ought to bump her off. And Trevor, 
well, he was the father of Anya, but perhaps it's more linked to Catherine knowing about Dorothy having a baby at Creasy. But none of that is explicitly clear. And that's why we're scratching our heads in the first five minutes thinking Bob's just said they all have motive, but they really didn't have motive until later in this episode. I wanted him to sort of, yeah, go maybe go through what each person's motive was. Yeah. He didn't push that at all. That only came apparent as they progressed through this episode. Anyway, Chief Bob tells them that Andrew brought back a killer clue. It's a drawing of the Wilmington necklace. Now, we previously had a few questions about this necklace. Uh, and I think it's just the way the show's been edited and that they mention things and assume that you're going to be be seeing that in the show. Mm-hmm. So we've heard, all oh, the, the necklace is worth tons. The necklace is worth loads. Or that's not the same necklace because the necklace that we're looking for is worth a lot more than the necklace that we found, which is only worth 6000 by the professional um valuer earlier ne- in the series necklace expert necklace expert i think they're called jewelers but um, <laughs> they, they do say it's a professional something anyway so we're now clear that the original design shows a pendant with a diamond surrounding peacocks hanging off the necklace and perhaps all the value is in that particular pendant and as i say we had to work this out for ourselves at no point has anyone said what they think the necklace was actually worth we only really got an indication Um, that it was valued higher because the investigators react earlier on to say, it must be a copy. It can't be the original because it's only worth six grand. Whereas we're thinking six grand is still a lot of money for a necklace. I think it also goes to show that the investigators aren't that observant because Felicity made it quite clear when she brought out the key to the Alice or to Alice's room. It is on the painting. She said, that's the necklace my mother's wearing in the painting. And I'm I'm sure if we didn't watch it in potato quality, because that's the excuse I'm saying, maybe we could have picked it up, but I'm going to blame the potato quality that we watched it in. They should have noticed that the necklace that they had in their possession was different to the one in the picture because there was this pendant on it. Mm -hmm. Because presumably that pendant was in the painting. It wasn't actually until Mel speaks up about the necklace being in two parts that we were told that the necklace is worth two million quid. <laughs> so whoever took gold the hostage now has the top part, which is what we've seen already, and the bottom part is still missing, or someone has it, to put the necklace together, which is worth the two million. And now I'm thinking, everyone in that town's got a motive, because if I knew that necklace was worth two million quid and I had access to a pair of navigational dividers, <laughs> Who knows what I'd do? Not not a trowel, though. Are you stupid? Who would kill anyone with a garden <laughs> trowel? Never in my 33 years of living on this planet have I ever heard of anyone being killed with a garden trowel. Do we think that Catherine was wearing the entire necklace on the day that she was murdered? Who wrote this, mate? Honestly. <laughs> I was scratching my head again, like, oh, is that really a thing? <laughs> anyway, move on from that. Chief Bob also talks about the kidnap. They enhance the footage. Brilliant. This is a sign of the times, isn't it? It's, I love it. It's probably one of those CSI enhance, enhance. Yeah! And it gets clearer the more you enhance. <laughs> like, it doesn't make sense. It's like an awful pixelated screen. And when you zoom in, it becomes HD. We see a box labelled pillboxes and hear a grandfather clock in the background. Andrew has almost given up as they all beat around the bush. And it's so friggin' obvious that this is Jennifer's shop, right? And Andrew's like folding his arms. He's going, there's somewhere else it could be as well. As though, come on, guys, this is obvious. What are you yeah. wasting your time for? There's one somewhere else as well. Also, 
What is Richard on about? He, he's on about the pillboxes. Yeah, but he's saying... Um, you would collect certain items together and, and if you've got lots of pillboxes, you'd put them all in the cardboard box that has pillboxes written on it. He's trying to mansplain what stock is. Like, is <laughs> yeah. he that out of touch of reality? He doesn't know yeah. what stocks are in shit. I've literally put pillboxes, then write pillboxes on it. And I've got that eye-rolling emoji. <laughs> it's, it's, he's explaining that a shop might have a box with goods from the shopping. Oh, my God. What, well, do you know what I thought was going to happen? When they started saying enhance, I thought he was going to enhance on the piece of paper gold he was holding and there yes. was nothing wrote on it. Yep, I, I thought exactly the same. I thought that'd be brilliant. That'd been so much better. Definitely. Anyway, all this around the kidnap video leads to track one, confront Jennifer about Goldie's kidnapping. We next hear more about Dorothy, Trevor's mum. Does the murder of the baby shed any light on the murder of Catherine? Richard goes on to explain that if Dorothy carried on having a relationship with Charles Wilmington, could Trevor actually be a Wilmington? If Trevor is a Wilmington, then so is Anya. At this point, we don't know anything else. So that's the sort of possibility that we're Is this when we had that nice little uh, family tree <laughs> yeah, illustration? Yeah, digitally created. On the, on the blue screen. Yeah. Could this therefore be the motivation for Jay and Jennifer? They don't want any inheritance money going to Anya. Jennifer is looking more likely to be a suspect now, especially knowing that they had the argument in the car before the wedding. It would seem that Jennifer knew that Catherine had been sneaking around Creeksy. Couple that with the motive and the fact that the video was filmed in the antique shop. It really isn't looking good for her. Although I don't think Jennifer would use her own son's navigational dividers to do the deed. So Trevor, at this point, is still my prime suspect. Well, this is it. I, I don't think we discuss this, but if you're going to go and kill someone, what would you kill them with? Knife, gun? Trowel. Trowel. So the fact that it's navigational dividers seems very impulsive. <laughs> like, so that's got to be, like, close to hand, doesn't it? You, if you're Trevor, you... Not you're not picking. You're not picking. Going... Yeah, but you're not picking them up and then taking them somewhere to no, kill. No, that's something. what I mean. If, if if you're Trevor, you're not going to think right. I'm going to break into Jay's boat unless you're framing him. Yeah, but then you're that's... framing him, or it's Jay because Jay's they're having an argument. Jay just grabs around on his table what he's got. No, because he's done it. He's done it at the church. Church. So he might have them in his pocket. I don't know. I don't know. I just think it's, it's a bit not strange. great, is it? They also suggest that Goldie could have a motive now, as she was marrying into the Wilmington family. It's far less likely, in my opinion, but I guess it could still be the case. Chief Bob reveals further news. He had a phone call from the farmer who owns the farm where Tina Wells's body was recovered. The grain store where they found the body had now been flooded, and this leads to track two. Go and see what's going on down the farm. With Andrew being told he is to go into the field and help with the lines of inquiry, he's obviously going to pair himself with Nick or Mel, surely. And then, what? He pairs himself with Richard, which baffles me. And I'm guessing this is so that he and Richard can pass, because Richard's the strongest investigator and has passed the most lines of inquiry. Andrew's probably thinking the only way that I can keep myself safe here is by playing the game with Richard. Yeah. Then obviously Mel and Nick would be the only two up for the vote if they passed. He's always going to win on a popularity contest as well between him and Richard. Yes, that's true. Actually, good point. If they were to be the only ones that were to fail, they would always vote for... Yeah. Yeah. No, because it'd be him anyway, wouldn't it? The group, of, the group would always vote for... Richard and he would be get to vote for whoever he wants. You say that they they actually voted, didn't they? They actually voted for him. That's true. But that's we'll come to that when we get to it because there's reason for all this. I thought it was a very nice thing that Andrew. Oh, that's complete self sacrifice, wasn't it? Yeah. Take the shitty job and take Richard with you. Yeah. Oh, blessing. Nick and Mel are feeling pretty happy that they're working together and say it was nice of Andrew. I actually think it's probably more tactical than that of him mm -hmm. just being nice and falling on his sword. So track one, Nick and Mel head over to confront Jennifer over Goldie being kidnapped and filmed at the antique store. 
when asked who has access, she says, oh, let me think, just me. Oh, and Trevor. Oh, and also Jay locks up for me sometimes. Come on, Jennifer. <laughs> so everybody then. Everybody who potentially... <laughs> oh, and Goldie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and George Howick sometimes comes along. Jennifer says she hasn't seen Jay or Goldie for a while. They go into the storeroom and Jennifer says she hasn't been there for quite some time. But today's newspaper is left as a clue. They are left to look around. Nick says it's not a crime scene after being asked by Mel. Oh, error. <laughs> Nick made a lot of mistakes here, but then also Mel probably didn't stand up for herself enough, I don't no. think. She could have probably done a lot better. She knew it and she just wanted confirmation. True. She she was suggesting all the right things, but then she just took Nick's word. They didn't really they didn't really look around either. That newspaper was the thing on top of the desk. Yeah. Anyway, Jennifer has arranged to meet Trevor tomorrow and she's scared. So ask detectives if they can be there when they meet. He can be very aggressive. Is he threatening you or no, he's just um something's not right. I feel uneasy. Yeah, I do, and I'd feel safer if if somebody was here. As they leave, they discuss whether or not they have everything they came for. Mel points out that they didn't confront or inform Jennifer. They fucked up. <laughs> Simply put. Track two. Richard and Andrew head to the farm where Tina's body was discovered in a grain store. There is 10,000 gallons of cold, dirty water. It can't be drained, so they need to wade in it. Although Richard does ask. Yeah, yeah. What a crap job. Yeah. I did like the fact that they started finding stuff. Yeah, and that they, they need to search until they find a clue. And I put if any, if it's anything like the murder weapon clue, then they're doomed. And they do pull out so much stuff. There's loads of scrap metal, there's yeah. bars, there's spanners and all sorts there, wrenches and whatnot. I wanted to find a bang stick at this point. <laughs> Can you imagine that? If it was just a little Easter egg and they're like, we'll yeah. find this and it's a bang stick, just as a throwaway. Yeah, that'd been awesome. We should have written this series. 100%. In the end, they find what they're looking for, a bag of what looks like shredded paper. Ooh. You weren't, you weren't too bad today. Mm, just seem a lot better. Mm. Back at the house at the end of day one, Andrew says that Richard wasn't too bad today. Is Richard become a bit more of a team player? I think it's dawned upon him, hasn't it? That he's like, oh, I ought to be a bit more happy-go-lucky. Less of a cock. Than, yeah, less of the knob that he has been. More echoes of Murder in Small Town X as they piece together the shredded paper that was wrapped around a brick. Although, in Murder in Small Town X, they did it because they found the paperwork amongst Nate's belongings, not left by the killer in a grain store wrapped around a brick. What on earth? Like, explain that. Yeah, so the killer's obviously trying to get rid of that letter, yeah? Is the killer trying to get rid of that letter or is the killer trying to tease investigators? Because if they're trying to get rid of that letter... Just burn it. Why would you put it exactly? Why would you put it around a brick? Was the brick so that it would sink, maybe? But in a plastic bag. But even if it is a game for the investigators to play, just leave it on the step. Like, yeah, I, just... I failed to see the logic. And it made sense in Murder in Small Tanics because the shredded paper challenge was good to see how investigators did and see if they could piece it back together. But it was all it was all in a clump of shredded paper. Whereas in this, it was wrapped up by the killer in a plastic bag around a brick in a flooded farm silo. What on earth So the killer's on? gone and done that and thought, I want to get rid of this letter, I'll chuck it down there. Paper burns. <laughs> it's just bizarre. Absolutely bizarre. Anyway, they work together to piece all the shredded paper back together. Andrew has a long smoking break as they do it. It turns out to be a written letter by Charles Wilmington just before he died to his son, Tony. Oh, fuck's sake. Are we the doing, husband of Jennifer. Are we doing flashbacks now, then? Are we murder game? Because we did some, we had some shit flashback. <laughs> and it starts, Dearest Anthony, as my time on Earth draws to a close, I feel I, feel I have to put my, my affairs in order. The rumours of the Wilmington Jewel are well-founded. It is a spectacular diamond that I had set into a necklace for your mother. So we're meeting Charles now. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Went to, like the ghost of Christmas past. This is forced ghost again. <laughs> it is, but this is it. Have someone read it out. You don't need to cut away for the audience to have some sort of weird reconstruction of him writing the letter and reading it at the same time. Simply put, Charles wanted to leave the diamond necklace to Tony as he couldn't bear to give it to anyone else after his wife passing. We learned that Charles wasn't happy with Tony's choice of wife. Perhaps he considered Jennifer a gold digger. Richard suggests that Trevor could be angry at Jennifer because he thinks she's the killer. I think he's doing this intentionally to throw them off the scent to give him a better chance of winning. I could be wrong, but he keeps throwing out different, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe perhaps it's just his thought process and he's voicing it. At this point in the episode, we are asked by the voiceover. But why was Catherine wearing the Wilmington Jewel, a family heirloom worth millions? And why does Jennifer Wilmington claim to be scared of her lover, Trevor Dobie? And here we're told that they're lovers. I didn't know that. Like, we've assumed it. And we know Rory's mentioned it before. Oh, they could be together. Yeah, I think there's little clues that they were. Yeah, that's it. But I I don't think it was ever explicit. Not that it matters. The next morning, Bob is absolutely fuming. Oh, God, he's so bad. Mel and Nick didn't confront Jennifer. He's really intimidating towards Mel. Yeah, and look, Nick isn't as good as we first thought he was. But neither is Mel. I just still really like Mel and her personality. I've never seen Chief Bob this cross at this point. Although he's a real bastard where he's trying to get him to apologise. What have you got to say? Sorry, Chief. Sorry, Chief. Did you see Richards in the background smiling? Smirking. Oh, yes. Fuck off. Andrew mentions the shredded message and how he stepped back to let the others piece it together. Richard has a little celebration when they're praised for their successes. Yeah, he goes, whoa. And even Chief Bob's like, calm down, mate. And that's just rubbing it in Mel and Nick's like, face, and it's just such a dick move. Seems to have got something right. Ooh, first bit of decent detective work. <laughs> Don't let it go to your head. They review the letter. Is there a motive for Jennifer to want the necklace, as she was the one that Charles explicitly didn't want to know about it? And I, I've put, Christ, this story's just a little bit shit, isn't it, really? <laughs> Moving on. Mel and Nick's line of inquiry today is to set up hidden cameras in the shop and keep an eye on Jennifer and Trevor's meeting. Mate, I swear if that bug expert comes back. Thankfully he didn't, but I was expecting it. I would have thought he was going to be in there as well. Andrew and Richard are required to follow up on the letter by interviewing Tony Wilmington. Andrew does have a giggle at Chief Bob's expense by saying... I thought he was a bit mellow this, a bit more mellow this morning because <laughs> Bob was kicking off. Richard gets the limelight with all his bullshittery again about tactical voting. He thinks he and Andrew will be voting for Mel and Andrew might actually send Nick to play the killer's game. Little do you know what's to come, Richard. Andrew, however, says that he wants it to be Richard and Nick playing the game that night. Mel is upset that Nick didn't stand up for her and tell the group that he was the reason that they didn't confront Jennifer. Although, to be honest, I think they were both partially to blame for that. So back on track one, thank God, no bug expert in this episode. Mm -hmm. They have to set up three cameras fairly quickly. A bit of overreacting from both Jennifer and Trevor when they meet. And we learn that Trevor is upset at what Jennifer has told the investigators. Mm -hmm. The next scene is bizarre because we see the infrared film despite it this being is daytime. my favourite bit of the episode. <laughs> the surveillance van is being rocked as Nick and Mel are sat inside it. The killer leaves Polaroids which shows the next location of the killer's game. Surely if they can still see Jennifer on that camera she's not the killer. I've put that it can't be Jennifer. This is before Jennifer leaves so yeah. she's definitely she can't be the killer. So there's no point even going down the next track when they try and prove it again because they can literally watch her and then to top that off, the fact that someone's doing this in broad daylight, right? First off, Nick doesn't even move. 
No. The van's getting proper. He doesn't Nell's even. looking around like what? Yeah, he doesn't even move. Nick's and I know later on we find out that they're locked in, aren't they? But Nick could have easily tried to smash that out of the van. I think kicking it from the back, you'd have broke hundred percent off. Yeah, but he doesn't seem bothered. He doesn't seem bothered at all. But on the side of this white van, it says like "Come out to play" or something. Like massive vinyl sticker. Firstly, who's sticking on that on the van? Who's carrying that to the van? Secondly, it's a bloody good job because there's no like air bubbles in it or anything. <laughs> so they've possibly been there quite a while whilst Nick's just inside shitting himself. Who's getting that printed? Because it's not graffiti. Just find the local like sign makers. Does anyone come in looking like a killer or doing some dodgy shit? Carrying a pair of dividers. Yeah. Is anyone wanting you to print vinyl posters <laughs> that seem a bit creepy? Mel and Nick now appear to be locked in the van as Jay arrives at his mum's antique shop. Jay heads to the storeroom and comes out shouting, The bit's missing, man! The bit's missing! What is going on? Jennifer then leaves the shop to let the investigators out of the van and confess to the kidnapping. Here's what happened. I knew about the kidnapping. Jay was involved. Nick does well to caution her. I thought that was really good pick up by Nick to say, look, I've got Mm -hmm. to caution you because they failed on that before. Jennifer says that she first saw the necklace on Catherine when she gave her a lift to the church. It was the full necklace with the pendant included. That's what they had argued about in the car. And Jennifer rang Jay to explain. Jennifer claims that then she went to speak to her solicitor, who told her nothing, as it's all in Tony's will. On their way back to HQ, Nick suggests that their wrongdoings on day one have now been put right. Will they therefore pass their lines of inquiry? Doesn't turn out to be the case, but it should have been almost bonus points for the recovery of. Anyway, later on, they head to the solicitor to confirm Jennifer's story. The solicitor tells them that she had left by 11am, but when checking the log, she was actually there until 12.30, meaning that she can be cleared as a suspect. Track two. Before Richard and Andrew go out to speak with Tony Wilmington, Richard mentions another theory around Anya being considered a Wilmington if they did think that Jay was the father, as Trevor had previously suggested. This leads to the two of them having a bit of a laugh and Andrew saying something brilliant. It's been an absolute nightmare. But having worked with him the last couple of days, he's toned down considerably. And if he could just be less bullish arrogant, rude, loud, and obnoxious, he might be quite a decent bloke. <laughs> there's something about, I think Richard says something about there's, um, their fields apart and intelligence. Yes, he does. But he said that he likes Andrew because Andrew completely understands that. And that's why they get on so well, because Andrew will admit that he's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, mate, if, if Richard behaved the way he behaved in this episode throughout the series, I don't think I'd have a problem with him. Mm-hmm. He's a lot, lot better. But it took him to play the killer's game to realise that he was being a knob. They go to Creepsy to talk to Tony. Richard explains the letter and Tony uses a dictaphone, which is weird because I tend to use my finger. I knew I knew that was going to <laughs> I was going to ask you again if you ever used one. And I would have probably fell for it. But... <laughs> He plays them a recording as he tries to keep on top of things by recording his conversations as he's slowly starting to lose his mind. I want to show you something. You know what this is? Oh, what is it? The Wilmington Jewel. Oh, yes. In the portrait, the necklace in the portrait. So it turns out that Tony is Catherine's father, making Catherine a Wilmington. Jesus. Did she really have it away with Jay? Because that's bloody weird. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we find out that the recording was made five days before Catherine was killed. She was given the complete necklace. We also find out that Tony was arranging to give Catherine 20 grand. And apparently Catherine was the only person who knew about the necklace. 
Sharks at the moment is interviewed or is on camera saying that he thinks Jay is the killer. Mel in her cutaway says that she thinks Richard was withholding information. This is when they get back to HQ and start discussing and Richard's not really saying much. And Andrew just blabs everything. Rightfully so, though. They should be sharing information, whereas Richard's not forthcoming with the information. It is getting really tactical. Now we're close to the end. Richard is theorising all the time, and they're all just getting really pissed off. Hello, Andy speaking. House fire creaks. The engines are there and paramedics. Oh, shite! They get a call to say that there's a house fire at Creeksy. Andrew and Richard head over. The hose being used by the firemen, I could piss stronger than that hose. Yeah. That was ridiculous. As Andrew and Richard at the fire, Nick and Mel are plotting, and they're doing it secretly as well, rather than being on camera doing it. I know it's fair game, but in my tiredness, I did write dirty rat. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, Richard and Andrew were able to get into the house and see that Tony is injured. They find a note in Tony's hand as he is carried to the ambulance. We find out that evening that Tony has died on his way to the hospital. In the final briefing, Chief Bob talks through the day's events. So the note that was found in the hand of Tony was a note left by Catherine addressed to Jay asking if they can put the past behind them and build on their relationship as brother and sister. Chief Bob mentions that Goldie still doesn't have an alibi, but was said to have spent the day looking after Anya. A family liaison officer is arranged to interview Anya, and we get to see that interview. Anya tells them that Goldie went out and left Anya on her own for 30 minutes before Frank got back, suggesting that she could have easily committed the murder within that time frame. Obviously, this is going to be the key line of inquiry for the final episode. Yeah. We then move on to the pass and fail criteria. Team one, Nick and Mel got a well done for clearing Jennifer as a suspect, but the day before they missed the newspaper and didn't confront Jennifer. If I sent you out for a loaf of bread, what would you come back with? A chock ice? Both, mate. <laughs> what did he say? Something like, I couldn't put my eggs on that. or oh. yeah, stupid, isn't it? So Mel and Nick fail. Love a chalk ice as well. Oh, I love a chalk ice. Underrated. Can you buy chalk ice singles? I don't think you can. Not singles, I don't think. What's the on about then? <laughs> Mel and Nick therefore fail and are up for the group vote. Team two, Andrew and Richard are praised for finding a hidden object in the grain store and getting the tape from Tony. However, fail because they didn't ask who else knew about the tape or if there were copies of it. That's shit, really. That is crap. I'm happy because it's Richard and Andrew. So if this was Mel and Nick failing for this reason, I'd be really pissed off. And it it does annoy me because they shouldn't have failed for that. Like finding out that there's copies. They've got the original copy. Even if Tony said, no, no one else has listened to it. Well, he's not in that room with that dictaphone all the time, is he? And that anyone could have just walked past, picked it up. Anyway, because they've all failed, they're all up for the vote. I think I think it was loaded like that, though. Yes, to make it that they had to fail on something. Going into the final, they all had to be up for elimination. I think you're right. So during the vote, Richard votes for Mel because he said earlier he thought Andrew was going to vote for her too. Andrew actually votes for Richard, completely undoing what Richard's plans were. Mel and Nick both vote for Andrew because they obviously have a plan because they then hope that Andrew is going to send Richard. Andrew gets his say and sends Richard. And I am so pleased at this point. So, so pleased. He is appalled. Anyway, I honestly think that Andrew did this, and this is a good thing of Andrew. I don't think it was tactical or anything like that. I think Andrew just thought, well, I'm going. Even though those guys voted against me, I would still rather Nick and Mel win the money than Richard. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's just taking one with him, hasn't he? Yeah. So Andrew's heading to the boathouse. Richard's heading to the bottling plant. 
Andrew is surprised based on the vote, but he says that he does understand why they did it. I don't know if he's just too nice or naive, but either way. he's tired at this point as well. Yeah, you can see that in him as well. Nick and Mel are buzzing because they're in the final. Richard confronts Andrew about his voting strat, and it's just awkward, isn't it, when they're in the kitchen and Richard's going, why did you do that? Ah, that's just a horrible moment. It's just... Ugh, I don't like it. And I put, please let Andrew return. Anyway, off they go to their locations. We see the grainy footage. Andrew, once again, the poor sod. Even when he was the lead investigator, he still ended up going. I know. We see a lot of creepy clowns and stuff in this footage and things moving around and body bags and all sorts. And it? it's, it's like paranormal. It's like, what's going on? Which is weird because they're looking for a killer. And also, a lot of that stuff's in Andrew's. So the killer isn't even there. Yeah. Anyway, so Andrew returns. Fantastic news. Sixth time in a row. And they do have such a good laugh when Andrew tells the story about his ordeal being all made up. So he goes through saying, oh, and there were these blood smears all the way down the glass that I saw. And he came up with this really elaborate story. And they're like, this is gruesome. And he's like, anyway, that's a load of old bollocks. Let's move on. I think Mel then gives him a kiss then. Yeah, she does. He says, come on, give me a kiss. I can't believe that's six times. Six times and he's returned. I'm worryingly thinking he might win it. I've put, I want Mel to win and I do not care about second or third. I don't have any, like, it's... No, I, I, yeah, I agree. I think I want, I want Mel to win. Second, I would probably want Andrew now just because he's gone out six times. If anyone's going to win it, not Mel, I would probably want it to be Andrew for that exact reason in that he has gone out six times and come back. Yeah. I still think though, like in my heart, I want Mel to win. In my head, I still think Nick might. Yeah. I think, I, I want, I want Mel to win. I'm just, I don't know how far Andrew luck can can take it yeah true and it's his final three now he's what we're saying he's got to get through two more two more challenges one's going to be eliminated there's going to be down to the final two isn't it but that means that means mate he's got a good chance he's got a 33 percent chance of winning yeah, this yeah. Hell. the killer could easily be any one of them as far as i'm concerned so i've been going for trevor all the way through well jay early on we did have jay early on and you've been going jay since i've been changing my mind to Trevor Goldie's coming this very late now that's it it's really pointing towards Goldie and Jay now Mm. like one of those two but I don't think it's Goldie they should have done more background stuff for Goldie to be the killer yeah I'm still going to stick with with Trevor the only concern I've got with Trevor is that why do you know what I mean I think he's got less motive now but I just still think it's him what about you I'm just gonna I'm gonna stick to my guns to say Jay still stick with Jay and I don't think that there'll be a lead investigator in the final episode I don't think Richard will get to vote but if he does do you think he'll choose Nick um I think he dislikes Mel and Andrew do you know I wouldn't be surprised if he picks Andrew (laughs) yeah to fuck it up for the others maybe maybe yeah Mm. And he spent quite a lot bit of time with Andrew as well, hasn't he? Yeah, true. But then Andrew sent him to his death. So all depends on how bitter he feels. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. One more episode. If you're still with us, thanks for listening. Come and tell us what you think. We're at Presents Jam on Twitter. Join us for our final episode of The Murder Game, where one of our three remaining investigators catches a killer.